0: Spirit, fall. Fall on us, for we are yours.
1: Spirit, fall.
0: Four. Amen. Amen. Please take a seat. To have our two readings, um, Jeanette is down on the list to read. Has she swapped with anybody? Ah, here he is. Here's the man. Thank you, Thomas.
1: Our first lesson tonight is from Paul's second letter to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning at verse 10, which you can find at page 1196 in the Church Bibles. 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting at verse 10, page 1196 in the Church Bible. Headed Paul's charge to Timothy. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, Patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium and Lystra? The persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: Uh, The New Testament reading, the Gospel reading, is taken from the Gospel of St. Luke. You can find it on page 1061, if you want to look it up in the Bible. Luke chapter 24, starting at verse 13. So this is after... um, This is on um, Easter Sunday morning, or Easter Sunday afternoon. Now that same day... Are you only a visitor or indeed the only visitor to Jerusalem and do not know these things that have happened here in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. as they approached the village to which they were going. Jesus acted as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us? While he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this extraordinary Bible study. How we wish we'd been there to hear you explaining the scriptures. And all that they said about you. Well, we thank you for the scriptures that you've given us. And for all the stories of your life and your words. We thank you for these two scriptures and ask that you would use them to open our minds and hearts to your glory. Amen. I have a picture which I treasure. It's the picture of my grandfather. There it is. It's, um, my grandfather died well before I was born, so I never really knew him. Oh, here it is. Isn't he a handsome chap? <laughs> Runs in the family. And this is a picture of his wife, the woman he married, my grandmother. Stunning. They got married in 1933 and she gave birth to my father uh, the following year, a year and a half later, just at the end of the year, and six days after he was born, she died. And so I honor her, obviously I didn't know her at all, I honor her for the sacrifice that she made for my father and the gift of life to me. In the new year, uh, it was both my parents' 80th birthdays, so we had a big family party, um, and my job was to create um, a PowerPoint of their life and family. So I opened up this picture, it's got one of these um, old-fashioned kind of frames where it's got clips that you can open. I took the back off in order to scan the photograph And to my astonishment, I found on the back a poem. It's written, as you can see, from Ian, that's my grandfather, to Kitten, that's my grandmother, Kathleen. And it was written to her uh, in October 1932, so four months before Ian and Kitten got married on February the 25th. 1933. And as I say, a year and a half before, she died just after giving birth. Here's the poem. Let me read it to you. Written by my grandfather to my grandmother. Life without thee, dear heart, is just endurance. A groping through the darkness to the light. With thee of perfect love I have assurance to thee I find the source in thee I find the source of all delight still from our love's desire we are prevented and for the time must yet live far apart so for the present must thou be contented with only this photograph dear heart isn't that lovely? You can imagine what a, how amazing it was for my father to read that for the first time in January this year. This photograph has been in the family for 85 years. But that was the first time that we had discovered it in all that time. And you can imagine how amazing it was for... How wonderful for my grandmother to receive this from her fiancée at that point as they were separated, as they were parted with this lovely photograph and these lovely words on the back. How, she must, how often she must have looked at this picture and how often read these words of love. just put this down in case i break it so why do we read letters and emails and cards sent to us we read them for information we read them to discover more of the person who is sending them to us we read them for instruction to gain feedback hopefully affirmation But as anyone who's received a love letter knows, the words that draw us back to them time and time again, to read the original words, are those from somebody who loves us, someone whom we too love. If you've been, sorry, if you've been following our Back to Basics course, this last two or three weeks, you will will know that we have been exploring The cross of Jesus, the sacrifice that he made for us, his act of love, the new birth and new life which he offers to us in his love, and last week, the assurance that we have as children of our Heavenly Father that we are loved, forgiven, and invited into his presence. And how do we know all of this? Because of the words written in this book. This is God's love letter to us, his poem of love. Written through the the mouths and the pens of his faithful servants. So you can understand why we, who have so much gratitude, so much love, ignited in us, for our Heavenly Father, return to these words again and again for a clearer picture of God, for instructions for living, for honest accountability and warm affirmation, and above all, for words of enduring, self-sacrificing love. As the disciples said at Emmaus to each other, did not our hearts burn within us? as he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. Did not our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Some people criticize churches like St. Jude's for our huge emphasis on on the Bible. At their harshest, such people use words like fixation, obsession even Bible worship bibliolatry well we know that such accusations are completely misplaced because we have always been clear that it's not the Bible we worship it's the Lord Jesus that we find declared to us in the Bible but at another level we have to put our hands up and say yes you're right We do love the Bible. We love the Bible because it is our access to God. It's the way that we find out, the way that we discover this person who is the face of the Almighty God, who is the access into his presence. The Bible is a portrait of Jesus. The Gospels are his face, The epistles are his clothing, and the Old Testament, his context, his backdrop. The Bible shows us Jesus. And so we love it and revere it because in it we see Jesus. So here are 10 quick reasons why we love the Bible, why we keep reading it. Firstly, because it reveals God. Without it, we we would have no clear understanding of the nature and purpose of God. We see God in Jesus through the words of the Bible. Secondly, it gives birth to faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Thirdly, it takes us back to the source. If we didn't have the Bible, we would be dependent on the Chinese whispers of 2,000 years of tradition, one, one generation passing it on to the next. But we have the privilege of getting straight back to the very words of Jesus. Fourthly, because it's active, living and active. The word is powerful for change in our lives, like a living sword. Fifthly, because it sustains us. As the psalmist said, it's like the finest wheat. It's like bread. It's like honey on the lips. As Peter and Paul said, it's like um, uh, suckling milk. It's like the meat and veg that adults need to eat. Sixthly, because it forms us in righteousness, in holiness, it's like a mirror in which we can see ourselves as we really are. It challenges our focuses and our desires, It gives us a picture of who God calls us to be and shows us how to get there. Seventhly, because it offers us guidance. It's like a map showing us the route of where we're trying to get to, like a torch or a lamp, showing us where to place our next step. Eighthly, it helps us against temptation, showing us the pitfalls ahead and giving us the courage to resist. Ninthly, It's good news for us to share with those we meet. And tenthly, it kindles hope. However long and arduous the journey, the Bible tells us that the end is worth the struggle. All the way through the Bible, we hear that God is a God who speaks. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. And there was light. God speaks and the world changes. God speaks into our life and our lives change. Our lives change as we respond to the word of God spoken to us. But that can't happen. We can't respond until God first acts by speaking his word. Now the, the word of God is spoken, is expressed primarily through the eternal, living, incarnate Word of God, through Jesus. But Jesus is brought to us through the pages of the written Word, the Bible. Which is why we make such a big thing about studying the Bible. It's why we are always reading scriptures in our services. We never have a service without scripture read. It's why we never have a service without Scripture being preached, a verbal presentation of the Word of God. It's why we organize ourselves into groups to study the Bible together. It's why we make such a big deal of reading the Bible on our own every day, struggling to understand what Jesus is saying to us personally through it. For us, reading the Bible isn't just studying historical text. It's not even engaging with the source materials for our faith. For us, reading the Bible is a divine encounter between us and God. It's a chance for God to speak to us directly and for us to respond. As we read the Bible, the Holy Spirit acts inside us, works inside us. Firstly, firstly, affirming in us, assuring us that this is the very word of God that we must listen to it. Secondly, uh, giving light to our twisted and distorted minds that we can clearly understand and receive God's word. Thirdly, by applying individual scripture to our specific life and situation. And fourthly, by empowering us to respond To that word and to be changed. The Holy Spirit is at work in us as we read the word of God. So, reading the Bible is a divine encounter where God is revealed in Christ and we are drawn into his presence and are transformed. Reading the Bible is life changing, it is transformation. And that's why we're so insistent on the incredible privilege and the huge responsibility of studying the Bible ourselves every day. Listen, if we had the opportunity to meet with the Queen, would we not do that? If we had the chance to meet someone who had rescued us, who had saved us from some terrible fate, and to get to know them, Would we not do that? If we were invited for a date by somebody who adores us and whom we in our turn adore, would we not move heaven and earth to be there with them? Well, let me tell you. The King of kings and Lord of lords, the saviour of our souls, who is crazy for us, and who has ignited love in us in our turn, invites us to meet with him every day in his word. Will we not move heaven and earth, and rather more importantly, our diaries, in order to meet with him? A daily quiet time with God is our privilege, and it's our strength. Reading the Bible first, enables us then to respond to God, and it gives us material to pray. So how should we go about doing it? Well, there are hundreds of books that have been written about this, and if you like reading books about prayer, about reading the Bible, you won't be in short supply. But here are a few ideas that are culled from them. Firstly, pray. Ask the Spirit to explain what this passage is about for you. Just as we did at the beginning of this uh, sermon. Secondly, choose a small section. It is important that we read right the way through the Bible because that gives us the context for any individual passage. And we need to to understand that in order to understand that. But if what we are, are looking to do is to engage with God to to be nourished by his word and transformed by it, then we need a small passage that we can get our teeth into. 2A, so stay on that, a little section I'm adding in, we need to be reading the Bible not just on our own, but also in company of other people. Because if we just read it on our own, then we can kind of, we can get distracted or or, sorry we can get sidetracked or deceive ourselves we can miss the point and it's really helpful to have other people's perspectives and opinions as we wrestle with that word so that's why we uh, organize ourselves into house groups Um, that's why we listen to preaching And that's why lots of people, when they're reading the Bible, their daily passage, they would use some Bible notes, because that's an opportunity to to kind of lay their thoughts, for us to lay our thoughts on this passage against somebody else's, and to see if what we were thinking is, is really right. And if you're not currently reading, using Bible notes, and would like to, then just let me know, and I can put you on the list, and we can organize for you to receive some. Thirdly, focus on Christ. Not on what is of passing interest or what's a bugbear of yours, but focus on the important, the central issues. As Paul said to Timothy, focus on that which is able to make us wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. If you think that's an overstatement... Remember that in the greatest Bible study of all time that I was telling you about, Jesus began with Moses and all the prophets and explains to his grieving disciples what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. What was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So focus on Christ in the scriptures. Fourthly, read to be changed not just to build up knowledge. That's why I have uh, changed my style of preaching over the last few years. Instead of just adding to your kind of database of knowledge about Scripture, which does nothing but entertain, instead preaching for application, for the change that needs to happen in us as we listen to Scripture. So read to be changed. Read so it makes a difference, so it's not irrelevant to your life. The thing is, it's very easy, isn't it, to read Scripture and think, ha, if only those people on the other side of the world, or my wife or husband or my parents or my children, would do what it says in the Bible here, the world would be a better place. But the thing is, that's not our job as we read Scripture, to find out how other people should change. Our job as we read Scripture is to find out how we should be changed. So read and reflect and pray until you hear what the Spirit is, is telling you. His word for you is how you should be changing. As we heard... All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting. When, we, when I get to this point as a vicar, I'm thinking, yeah, absolutely. All scripture is good for teaching and rebuking and correcting others. But that is not what Paul is talking about. It's not really working, this, is it? That's not what Paul is talking about. He is saying all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training us. In righteousness, So that we may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Fifthly, write it down. It is amazing how easy it is to forget something you would really rather not remember. So write it down and pray it into your heart. And sixthly, memorize it. Choose the most significant verse or phrase in the passage and learn it. And then the Holy Spirit will have more scripture in your mind and in your heart with which to work. You remember that Jesus said to his disciples that the Holy Spirit would bring to remembrance everything that he had spoken to them. Well, it helps the Holy Spirit a lot if we've got the words of Jesus in our mind in the first place for him to bring them back to remembrance. So learn scripture. Keep, uh, keep memorizing it as you read, day by day. And then there's more in there for the Spirit to work with. I read you my grandfather's love poem to my grandmother. In fact, that whole love song could be taken as a profound comment on the place of the Bible for us. Let me read it again so that you see what I mean Understand the first verse as the Christian speaking to the Lord and the second verse as the Lord speaking to the Christian. So the Christian says life without thee dear heart is just endurance a groping through the darkness to the light with thee of perfect love I have assurance as we heard last week in thee I find the source of all delight. Christ responds, Still from our love's desire we are prevented, and for the time must yet live far apart. So for the present must thou be contented with only this, dear heart. None of this is to say that reading the Bible is easy. Some of the Bible is really hard to read. Some of it's hard because it's asking us to do things we really don't want to do. So it's difficult in that sense. Other parts of the Bible are hard or difficult because some of it seems to be missing. It doesn't seem to say everything we want or need it to say about a subject or or. or, or, or Or some phrase, it doesn't quite connect with us. We don't quite see the, you know, it's something missing there. Tragically, the last line of the last verse of this love poem, From My Grandfather to My Grandmother, is missing because somebody later on has taken a pair of scissors and has cut off the bottom so that it would fit in the new frame that it was to go in. I spoke to my um, father about it I said, you'll probably remember that. That's, that's really sad, isn't it?" He said, "Yeah, that was probably my, probably my stepmother, Phil. I said, she would have just said, "Oh, it's a poem." you know." <laughs> but it's tragic. Let me read you the last verse: "An end will come to all our hopes and dreaming our ship of love be wafted to the shore. And in my eyes, thou wilt see the love light gleaming and... How does it end? If it had come like this to my grandmother, I'm absolutely certain she would have spent hours pouring over this... Reading and learning and, and getting into the cadences and the words and the meaning of the poem, drawing on everything she knew of Ian, her beloved, all that he had said in the past and all he'd said in this poem, and then forming her own ending to the verse. It's impossible isn't it? I mean, I can't read that and not try and create the ending. Can you? It may be that if she had tried to do that, she wouldn't have recreated the exact words that her beloved would or had written. But it would have been the best that she could achieve with her understanding and her love and her understanding of Ian's love for her. It might not have been the original words but it would be her best reaching after the words that had been intended. And that too is how we often read the Bible. As we find the gaps, the better we know the cadences and the structures and the words and the intentions and the character of the one who, wrote, who sent it to us. We fill in the gaps to the best that our understanding and our love will enable us to do. When I gave you ten good reasons for reading the Bible, most of the reasons that I gave you were about our current struggle and need for God's word as we go on through life. But the last, the last good reason was for the hope that it brings us for the future as Christ says in Scripture, this is eternal life, to know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Scripture points forwards. And so let me complete the final line of the poem. As Christ might have said it, might say it to you. You'll find the actual words that he uses in the Bible. An end will come to all our hopes and dreaming, our ship of love be wafted to the shore, and in my eyes thou wilt see the love light gleaming, and thou wilt hear my words of love for you forevermore. Shall we pray?